Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast. I'm Mike Kay, joined by Zach Rosenblatt, the Eagles loss to the Baltimore Ravens 26 to 15 but they didn't get all full four quarters to come have a comeback you know it was was a rough outing early on for the Eagles and it was a rainy end for them in this preseason matchup the third preseason matchup that served as not necessarily a dress rehearsal but more of a a hodgepodge of lineups I guess you could say Zach, let me bring you in here. Um, I think we're pretty happy that that this game ended early. <laughs> Man, so so I, I, the game ended early because there was like lightning early in the fourth quarter, right after Clayton Thorson played his first drive. He only got one throw. The poor kid. It was incompletion off the hands of Carlton Agadosi. But the first half was some of the most boring. I say this probably every preseason game every year. Some of the most boring meaningless football I could ever remember. And then Josh McCown like injected some life into the proceedings in the third quarter. He had a really, really good third quarter. We'll get into that. But yeah, we suffice to say we were first it got delayed and we were all like, oh no, we're gonna have to be here very late, aren't we? And then then they officially canceled it and we thank the weather gods for their their kindness to us. I was like five minutes away from challenging Ruben Frank to a game of Uno. I you know, I really like this was that was like the worst thing you can get, especially, I mean, just to give you some, you know, inside our jobs, a rain delay in like the early fourth quarter is like the worst thing ever. Obviously, it's not very fun for the fans who paid to see this game. Although, it's their fault for paying to see this game. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, I respect the grind, though. I respect the grind. So if you were here tonight, make sure you leave a comment and tell us, you know, did you st- did you leave at halftime when things looked bleak, or did you leave in the fourth quarter when, when things they, when looked they, wet? When yeah. they forced you to leave. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, do, I didn't think about this. You brought up Thorson, the son of Thor, lightning everywhere. Oh, I mean, I, I didn't even really put that together till just now, <laughs> but I'm pretty glad I did. All right, so let's get into some stuff. You want to talk about Josh McCown. I, the floor is yours. Yeah, so we're going to go through the six things we learned tonight. And number one, you know, we mentioned him, Josh McCown. A week ago, he was a high school football coach. He was the quarterback's coach for, um, I just blanked on the, the high school's name, it's in Charlotte, and his son plays there. He, he was coaching them up, and a few days later, he signed with the Eagles on Saturday. Um, he stu- he played most of the snaps tonight, it turned out, because Cody Kessler, we don't need to talk about him much. I know you love talking about him, but he was very bad. He, he was, was like scared bad. to throw the ball for some reason. Um, but so McCown comes in, he was a little shoddy in the beginning, like as you would expect for a 40-year-old who hasn't been off the, I mean, he's been off the couch, but he hasn't played football in a long time. And then, then you see why they brought him in and why he's lasted as long as he has in this league. Uh, Doug Peterson sat after the game after I asked him about uh, McCown and how impressed he was he was able to play how he did tonight. And he said that they, he went, him, Press Taylor, Doug, and I think Mike Rowe, uh, they like went through the plays that he could do and they highlighted them. 
and they kept the playbook concise for a guy who just joined the team. And what were his final numbers? Uh, he was 17 to 24 for 192 yeah. yards and two touchdowns. Yeah, so he, he was really efficient at first, and then he started taking shots down the field, which none of these guys that they've been playing at quarterback were doing. And, you know, he had the one – first he had a throw. He said where he started getting comfortable was a throw to the sideline to Greg Ward. It was a really good play. Greg Ward is another guy I'm sure we'll mention a little bit later at another great game. Uh, really good. I call it a Nick Foles X throw because it was kind of the way he – is able to thread the needle in like the corner of the end zone. He threw, found J.J. Arcega white side. Um, it was a really good throw, really good route, really good catch. And then, uh, like where you just knew he was a gamer was was a second touchdown pass, where he got he saw the guys coming at him. I didn't see what Ravens players they were. Uh, it was, well, Chris Wormley. Was he, he was the one that hit him, right? Yeah. So he let go of the ball right before Chris Wormley hit him hard. I, I asked him if that was like a welcome back to the NFL moment. He's like, yeah, you don't get hit like that when you're coaching high school football. <laughs> if you did, that would be alarming. So, <laughs> but and he completed a touchdown pass, a great catch, great throw to Alex Ellis, who had a pretty good night too. But I mean, I know it was just a preseason game, and he was going probably against mostly backups. But this is why they signed him. He he looked better tonight than anything we've seen from Nate Sudfeld in the last two years. Yeah, I agree. Um, and it, it furthers my point. Look, I'll take the L on Cody Kessler, even though my my argument was that. You know, if you have to get through a month, whatever. He's been terrible. If you if you lose Carson, you're, you're done anyway. But when you look at what Josh McCown's able to do, he ha- he's I don't think he's as talented as Nick Foles is naturally. No. But I think he knows what he's doing. He can make every throw. You know, he didn't even look very good in warm-ups. You could tell that he was kind of rusty. And I think um, when you look at what – those three throws that you highlighted – no one else on this roster but Carson Wentz can make those throws. Everybody talks about how Nate Sudfeld can make every throw. That was pinpoint accuracy. The The most impressive play, like you said, and I, I wrote that his best throw I, of the night I thought was to Alex Ellis because he knew that he was going to get jacked. It didn't matter whether he was going to get penalized or not. He knew he was going to get hit. He stood in the pocket firm, saw that Alex Ellis had a step on a defender and completed that pass. And he lofted it. Like, he trusts his receivers. We haven't seen Cody Kessler trust his receivers, and he's been around most of the summer. So, um, you know, I think Josh McCown is that guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he had a funny – somebody asked him after, like, if he remembered everybody's names yet because he just joined the team. And he's like, he's, he's, he's trying to figure out everybody's name still. He knew what Alex's name was. He knew what J.J. Artiga Whiteside's names were. But just the idea that he's like, he said there was a few times where he would look to a receiver and be like, hey, you. <laughs> like, he just didn't know their names. Like, this is so funny to me. But he, he, like, somebody asked him how he already had so much chemistry with J.J. Arcega Whiteside. He's like, that, like, let's take a step back for a second. Like, I, I don't know about that. I think that has more to do with all the work that J.J. has put in and all the coaches have put in because I just met these guys a few days ago. Like, I don't know if we have chemistry yet, but he was, he, he was where he needed to be. Yeah, I don't know about all that, but uh, let's say he doesn't have chemistry with J.J. It does highlight a certain element of his game, so an element that Nick Foles really had, and you can see in droves. He likes throwing to big targets. Uh, that's helpful in this offense when you have Zach Ertz and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard and uh, even Josh Perkins uh, and Matt Collins even. So that's what I think they needed. Um 
you know, Cody Kessler, for all his faults, is a guy who gives it to a speedy receiver and then he goes and gets it. Like a short a, pass. Yeah, yeah, short pass, he'll get yards after the catch. Nate Sudfeld's a guy that'll throw the ball downfield uh, with good timing to speedy receivers. Josh McCown can take advantage of big targets, and I think that that is, is a plus here with this signing. Um, obviously, he's had a lot of success with Alshon Jeffrey in his career. That's important, but... Yeah, maybe it's not individual chemistry, but it was more of a chemistry with a type of receiver. And I think when you have Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz and uh, Alshon Jeffrey and, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Matt Hall, like, this offense is predicated on size and speed. And, yeah, Nelson Aguilar's got short hands. Deshaun Jackson's a deep threat. And he can run great routes. But when you have big guys and your quarterback is good at targeting big guys, it's a win for everyone. Yeah, so let's go to the second point. Um, Corey Clement, Rodney McLeod made their return. What did you see from those guys? Corey looks healthy, for one. Um, He's got some burst. There was a play on third and six, so it's a passing down. It's a, it's a third and distance. Uh, and they, they went with a delayed handoff. And Big V... Came off the right the right guard position, ran to his left side, and opened a massive hole for uh, Corey Clement, and he hit it perfectly. Picked up eleven yards. Uh, that was that that just showed good burst and it showed good vision. And he I talked to him after the game. He felt he feels really good. He doesn't feel any setbacks with the knee. He feels like he is good to go. And he looked like he was good to go. Look, the numbers aren't going to impress anybody. I think he averaged like three yards a carry or a little bit less. But it's his first game back. Yeah, yeah. it was his first game back, and he looked good. And, 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 you know, there were times where his offensive line didn't give him a lot of help. So, um, and that Ravens defense is pretty good, the starters, who he faced for a lot of the time. Uh, he didn't really get targeted in the passing game, which is really kind of the biggest asset that he brings to this team. So that's kind of worth noting, I guess. But overall, I thought he had a decent night. Let's talk about Rodney. So Rodney had a really nice tackle for loss on Trace McSorley's uh, on Trace McSorley run. He sipped out the run and uh, brought him down. I thought he looked good out there. I mean, look, the guy tore his knee in week three of last year. He's back. He's ready to play. He can take hits. He felt really good making those tackles. I think he had three on the night. So, look, it's a positive sign. Let's not dwell on those guys because they only played about a quarter and a half. Still need to see more from them. Still need to see more, but it's a good sign that those two guys who, once they were gone or once they were banged up, it showed how important they were to the offense and defense. And I think that that's that's worth noting that they're healthy. Yeah, and I should say that, so Doug played most of the offense tonight, starters-wise, for the beginning of the game, besides Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. And he said after he thought he's pretty much that he saw enough from them the first two weeks and they wanted to get a good look at Corey because they hadn't really seen much of him since last year. So I, if people were wondering why, that, I mean, Miles Sanders was out there for the first kick return, which is notable. It seems like he's the – It's very notable. It, it seems like he's the kick returner. Um, but that, that, I feel like that was notable because we, we were all confused why Jordan Howard especially was getting so many looks in those first two games. Now it makes sense. They wanted to see what those guys had. Now, you know, Wendell Smaller didn't play tonight. He probably would have played in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I, I always hesitate to say he's gonna get cut, but if he, if, if he doesn't get cut, maybe they trade him to the Jets or something. Like they were showcasing or Josh Panthers Adams, or a team that needs a backup. Yeah, Josh Adams, who had a good catch and then a terrible drop. Yeah, <laughs> which is Josh Adams in a nutshell. I mean, we'll probably talk about it a little bit later, but they were definitely showcasing some players in this game. Yeah, 
Um, so we, so the third point I was going to touch on was J.J. Arcega Whiteside. We already talked about him a lot. Don't need to dwell too much. But I will say he's just like ready-made. He's smart. He knows how to run routes. He doesn't make mistakes. Like th- this is a rookie that that he's probably not going to play that much this year unless somebody gets hurt. But he's ready to if he needs to. And you know, based on their career history, Deshaun Jackson and Alshon, there's an odds are one of them is going to miss at least a couple games. So what I'll say about J.J. is, while everybody else was struggling to get open in that first half, he was getting open, and he was demanding the ball. Um, And for a rookie to do that and step up the way he did, I I felt like he was a guy that saw an opportunity and and made the most of it. And that's what you got to do in the preseason. Um, I think he's going to be very good. Very, very good. There's times where he gets kind of lost in coverage. Yeah. But tonight, he was getting open. That's a rookie thing, though. Yeah. You know, it's, it's new coverage he's facing. Um, the next one is kind of like probably the biggest overall story. It seems like there's been some negative reaction to it. So Carson Wentz officially won't be playing in the preseason because he's not going to play in week four against the Jets. Um, Doug Peterson said after the game pretty much that he thought he's gotten a lot of work in, in training camp. We've heard Doug talk about almost how he views the training camp practices as – more helpful than the preseason games because he says you can stop a play if there's a mistake, you can do a play over. And he, he always talks about how he's made it a game environment in the pre, in the, in practices. But like, how, how do you feel about the fact that Carson Wentz won't have played since early December? It's a bad radio, but I agree a, a thousand percent. Like, with Doug's decision. You're yeah, saying, with yeah. Doug. Look, he, this kid's played in the preseason like 12 quarters. Like, Carson does he not. Need, he doesn't need to. Okay, so here's my example of why Carson does not need the preseason. Look at what he was able to do his first few games as a rookie after missing three. Uh, three preseason games due to injury. Look at what he was able to do in week three, like fresh off the injury pretty much. You know, he just was at practice. Whoa, all the lights just went off. I feel like the power Clayton. just went out here. Um, <laughs> We're still recording, though. <laughs> Clayton Thorson, where are you? Um, <laughs> That's trippy. As yeah, uh, but anyway. You guys, can't, family show, you guys can't see this, but... Uh, so trippy as heck. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. That boy. Um, he didn't take his Flintstone vitamins this morning. But uh, so I think if you're not going to play Carson in week two of the preseason, there's no point in playing him in week three. I think this was a smart move. If Jason Peters needed to go out there and kind of prove himself that he can move around out there, I totally get it. If guys actively want to play in the preseason, yeah. go for it because it's not just you making the decision; it's something you're going to regret. Um, you know, Nelson Aguilar being out there, I, I, I don't think was helpful. I, I mean, maybe he wanted to play. Deshaun was barely. He, he was out there for, like, the first series, and they pretty much took him out, right? Right. Same with Jeffrey. Like, it, it was it so was. I, don't, almost, I almost don't understand. I don't know if they requested that or what. I do know last week, Brandon Graham and Malcolm Jenkins requested it. They both played again today. By the way, Brandon Graham looks, like, as, as athletic as he's looked in a few years. Like, last year, early on, you and I were talking about how he doesn't look the same he clearly was battling that ankle thing because yeah. he looks really, really good. He had that. What was that play he had early hey, in the game? So they ran, um, they ran a delayed handoff, and and Graham just just boomed through that line, and, and it was like one arm, right? Yeah, it was a five yard loss. It was an Close extremely impressive play. Um, yeah, Malik Jackson also wanted to play last week. He wanted to play this week. He's played all three games now. Yeah, you know, he's a guy that wants to earn it. But And there are guys that have that mindset, like, hey, we want to find a rhythm, like you said, with Malcolm and Brandon Graham. And, um, you know, I thought the two corners who would 
probably be the starters if Ronald Darby isn't ready. But Sydney and Rasul, Sid- yeah, right? Sydney and Rasul did not look good in this game. No. Um, Trace McSorley, either he made them look, either they were playing poorly or McSorley was looking good because he was looking like Joe Montana. Apparently. Well, let's let's give Miles Boykin some credit. Miles Boykin's going to be a really good player. I thought he was. I thought he should have been a second round pick. He was a guy that I actually thought the Eagles should have targeted if they didn't get Arsenal Whiteside. He, he was one of those guys that I thought people. Maybe thought he was just a workout warrior or something because I don't think he produced that much in college. He looked great but he in looked, joint practice. He looked really good in joint practice. And today, like he has size and speed. Mm-hmm. Like they don't throw the ball very much when Lamar Jackson's in there, but it, it, for when they do throw it, like that dude will go up and get it. So the two corners came out, and Josh Hawkins and Jeremiah McKinnon <laughs> did some nice things during training camp in the offseason program. Oobly. Michael Floyd came to remember life. Him? Yeah, remember him. <laughs> The former first-round pick. I mean, like he looked great in this game. Um, it's crazy to think, by the way, that Michael Floyd was supposed to like be developed as a replacement for Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald's still going. Floyd's on like his fourth team. <laughs> Michael Floyd was supposed to be what Mike Evans is, basically. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, but anyway. Anyway, McKinnon that, and Hawkins were not very good. Is what you're trying to say. Yeah, they were bad. They were bad. <laughs> they were bad. You know, uh, the defense in general didn't really look that great. Honestly. Yeah. Well, here's here's a problem. And At least I, the backups. Here's an issue that they have: is they want to put their best personnel on the field. Their linebackers are not very good, so they run a lot of big nickel and a lot of uh, nickel looks. And when you're playing 12 and 13 personnel, you're probably not going to be favored because the tight ends are bigger. They're faster. They can get off the ball quicker. They can get off a press. They can make moves. Um, it's just not ideal. It's just not ideal. And I, that's a concern of mine. I mean, they're not going to face a lot of tight end, a lot of teams with two tight end looks that are that impressive. But it is a concern. I mean, like, the, the Ravens dominated them when they were in 12 and 13 personnel during practice. And maybe that's a path that teams are going that teams are going to notice and start using that. Well, and the thing is too is I mean the Ravens are a special case. They, they are. They have they have like five tight ends yeah, that are playable. Like, they're going to keep five tight ends. They are all good. Yeah. Like even Charles Scarf who who's an undrafted kind of, free agent. That's not a real name. <laughs> it shouldn't be. But he Scarf? looked he he looked actually he's a guy that I would like target player for player swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do they have center issues? I don't know. Their... I, 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 somebody suggested Wisniewski in a trade the other day. I think I would have said Josh Adams. Yeah, Josh Adams makes sense too. Although they have a, they have a bunch of running backs too, though. They do, but not, I mean Justice Hill, I like, and I, Mark Ingram didn't Gus play Edwards. in this game. Uh, yeah, Gus, whatever. He was but really good last year. He was, but I'm just saying, back. like, yeah. I, I, I think, I, I think that they could use a running back just based on what I saw in joint practices and today. But anyway. Uh, Delance, whatever his name is, got like. Who? Delance, I think Turner. That's a name. Is that what his name is? Hold on, hold on. We gotta talk about this. Delance. Let's not make fun of him. I'm sure (laughs) there was a lot of thought put into his name. Um, Hold on, I can tell you in a second. This is important stuff, so please keep listening. Um, Well, this is oh yeah, Delance Turner. Oh, from Alcorn State. Oh, he sounds like an outcome. He is. He has somehow played in the league for two years. I don't know oh. what's going on. Uh, anyway, oh, to Lance. All right. So speaking of concerns, uh, I know you're concerned with this topic in particular. So I asked Doug Peterson after the game about Jake Elliott because he missed another forty-something field goal. He's missed two now in the preseason. Uh, he was missing a lot of them in training camp. And Doug admitted he's like, yeah, you know, it's not great that he's missing those. We'd like them to go through the upgrades. We still have confidence and faith in Jake. It's kind of like the stock answer for a kicker. Clearly, they're not happy with the fact that he keeps missing that range. It's kind of been a problem for him, even since his breakout 2017 year. 
where you kind of forget about it because he made all those long field goals and he made those clutch field goals, but you need to make the mid-range ones as much as those. Yeah, I was talking to another writer. It's not like he... I don't want to call him a novelty act because he, he's... I mean, he's... He's clutch. He's unreal in the clutch, and he's unreal from distance. He is so untrustworthy with mid-range. Like, it, 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 in the middle of a game, he's missed two mid-range field goals in back-to-back home games here. Like, they... I get it why you don't test a dude and you, and you want to, you know, keep the numbers a certain way. But they really should have tested Jake Elliott. It's not like they challenge him a lot in practice. He still missed a lot in training camp. Um, you know, I I don't know. You know, everybody has their faults as a specialist, except Justin Tucker. Because Justin Tucker is... Or Rick Lovato. Or Rick Lovato, yeah, clearly. Famous deli man. Yeah, he makes them sandwiches. <laughs> um, I mean, like, look, Cam Johnson has an issue with directional punting. Like, that's fine. It fits into... How just they pun, just punt it far? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not like I don't know. I just think Doug doesn't even like punting anyway. So yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a it's a breaking case of emergency. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think at some point you've got to challenge. Saying, like, at what point are you concerned about this? I'm concerned now. Yeah, well, this is a concern. So what what would it take you think for them to try out another kicker to test him? Like what? Does he have to miss a field goal in when the games matter? Like, is that when it starts coming down the pike? I think you bring in a guy this week. But I'm saying, what do you think they actually do? I think it's going to take one or two games. Yeah. That, um, you know, so there's always kickers out there. That's probably their theory. Well, and you and I have talked about this. We said the same thing about the Wisniewski snapping area. We were talking about it the other day. This was not going to be a thing until it happened in games, and now it has happened twice in the span of three weeks, and. Look, 50-yarders, if you can make those, awesome. But it does not absolve you of misses when you can't hit mid-range field goals. Like, it's just, it's a problem. Yeah. Um, All right, so I think we covered pretty much everything from that game. We wanted to cover one more thing that happened earlier in the day uh, before we go, because it is notable, at least. They traded Bruce Hector to the Arizona Cardinals for, what's that safety's name? Rudy Ford. Rudy Ford. Um, I don't really know much about him. Rudy. Mike's been making that joke all day. I have. <laughs> um, I don't know much about him, but it's, everybody keeps pointing to his special team skills. He's a young guy. He was a sixth-round pick two years ago. Mm-hmm. What, what do you What do you think about this deal? What do you, do you think he has a chance to make the team? So what I was told was the Eagles went out of their way to look for a gunner. Um, you know, this team has employed safeties that play – primarily special teams a lot in the past. You look at Chris Marigos, you look at Colt Anderson, you look at DeAndre Hall last year. If this team is wanting to keep five safeties because they're probably going to go low numbers and linebacker, it makes sense to bring in a young guy who's very good at gun. At that, yeah. Right. I mean, it could impact the wide receiver numbers. You know, Matt Collins is a gunner. Um, they got rid of Shelton Gibson, who was a gunner. Um if you can find a guy like Matthew Slater who can really get downfield and make consistent plays, you know, he's only played, uh, Ford's only played 62 defensive snaps in 23 ga- career games. They didn't bring him in because he was a defensive stud or a guy with, like, high defensive upside. Here's, here's what I want to throw at you. If they keep – okay, so what I think is going to happen, this is what I project. 
they're going to keep, obviously, Malcolm Jenkins and Rodney McLeod as the starting safeties. They're going to keep Andrew Zendejo as the third guy. I think they're keeping Cyprian because that allows them I to I lean go, that way, too, yeah. Because that allows them to go lighter at linebacker because he can play weak side linebacker or strong side linebacker. You're not going to put him in the middle. Um, but if you have those four guys, that's four players over the age of 29. You need someone who has some sort of upside defensively and a guy that you can develop. Now, the reason why the Cardinals decided to move on from him is they drafted like four defensive backs this offseason. They've got a brand new coach um, and a brand new defense. And so he's coming here with a blank slate. He's got good size. He's six foot two oh four. Um and he's going to come here and try to cause problems for Trey Sullivan and, and DeAndre Hall. Only, only has a week to do it, by the way. But Right. I mean, and so it goes. I will say this about Bruce Hector. The Cardinals had um, first priority on the waiver wire, and they still traded for him. Yeah. You know, he, I mean. He was not going to make this team, so. You know, people can say, oh, well, they were going to drop the safety anyway. Yeah, but you still need bodies to fill out the roster during the preseason. Like, it doesn't hurt. And and for the Eagles, too, it's very clear that their defensive tackle situation is resolved. You look at Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Timmy Jernigan, Hassan Bridgeway, who I thought had a pretty solid game today, and Trayvon Hester. I think that's your guys. And then Kevin Wilkins is going to be on the practice squad. They've done a really good job of finding defensive tackle talent. Um, Howie Roseman's very good at finding interior defensive linemen. Um, and, you know, there you go. So so if you if the Eagles were to make another player-for-player player trade, who would be, like, two of your candidates that they would trade away? Mm, that's a great question. Wendell Smallwood. He seems like an obvious one. And um, DeAndre Hall. Oh, interesting. Because um, he kind of – they just plugged in the guy from the Cardinals – yeah, I mean... That, this is basically the trade they made last year. Yeah. For, for it, all, yeah. Yeah, I mean... And they didn't have to give up a seventh-round pick, yeah. which I think is... Or a conditional pick, I guess. Yeah. Um, those would be the two guys, just because I think... It, I mean, it depends on what you would be looking for, you know yeah, it what I mean? depends what they're acquiring in return. But I, I think there is a deficiency of running backs in the league. Like, that can actually be in a rotation. There's There are guys that are really good as rhythm guys, and then there are guys that do well in a committee, and... Teams are starting to realize, hey, we've got to have a really good third back. And really, good, when I say really good, I mean like a, um, you know, like a guy who can catch the ball, who can block, and a guy who can do something on special teams. Like they need to be able to do those at a average to me- mediocre to above average level. And I think that's what Wendell Smallwood is. He's a guy, but he's also a guy who has experience and can produce. I buy on the Panthers because they don't have like anybody good behind McCaffrey. I think Cameron Artis Payne is their their main backup. Yeah. And Sm- you trust Smaller more, and I'm sure Rivera has people he's close with on the Eagles. Yeah, I mean, well, you look at you look at kind of where they want to look. The Cardinals have brought in a lot of Philadelphia defensive talent. They brought in Jordan Hicks. They brought in Joe Walker. Like they have a history of, of attracting those guys. So. Clearly, there's something they like about the defensive players on the Eagles roster and what Jim Schwartz has. And um, I would say another guy that I would pay attention to is Matt Pryor. Hmm. Because... He's a young guy, recent draft pick. Look, I think the Jets and the Eagles are going to make a few of these deals. 
Only, I, only a week left to do them, but I guess they could do it after the cutdowns. I, you know, I mean, well, the thing is, is you want to give the guy a look next week, so yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if Howard makes a couple, couple of days. Yeah. yeah. Um, Josh Adams is the guy that intrigues me the most because, as I said earlier, I feel like they were trying to showcase him. So, I also think they were trying to showcase Wisniewski as a guard. So maybe those are two guys you could talk about. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up there. You got? You want to close it out? <laughs> well, you basically did it for me. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to the No Huddle Show podcast. That was Zach Rosenblatt. I'm Mike K. Make sure to download and subscribe and comment and review us and hit us up in the comments section. We'd love to hear from you guys. See you soon. Deuces. Deuces.